Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn, joined by World Cup legend, Ryan Donnelly. Ryan, uh, congratulations on your recent success in the uh, in the World Cup. Thank you. My, you know, the manager is saying I'm on form when I'm on the pitch. Uh-huh. Uh, my pace is excellent. Um, <laughs> what are the expected goals looking yeah. like? Are they good? Are we expecting a lot of goals? Yeah, we're expecting a lot of fucking goals. Yeah, um, good. I, I gotta tell you, the environment down here is insane. Yeah. Uh, it is, uh, I mean, it's unbelievable right now. Like everyone is just like, it's pandemonium, you know, like people are barely working. I think everyone's just talking about the, it's like, it, it's hard to describe. I mean, it's like, if it's like if Ohio state, Michigan, like the week of the game is like just, you know, an entire month for an entire country. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that does sound pretty good. I'll say that's, <laughs> that sounds like a good environment. I will, uh, yeah. I will go out on a limb there. Uh, and of course, if things break bad for, for beloved Argentina, it will become the worst environment maybe ever in the history of, uh, of time. And you will be killed, unfortunately for, for, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, your, your, your involvement with the, uh, the French that we've not really talked about before, but you do have a strong involvement with the French in your, in your past. And, and that's, mm, you know, well, it's going to be difficult to beat those charges. Yeah, I was involved in the quote unquote. I, I was an infamous member of the French Connection, uh, mm-hmm. which people might be familiar with from my from my work in Gladio and other kind of similar situations. So, yeah. you may know about that. Uh, you might. Also, Patrick, I've had this. I've had this. <laughs> I've had this powerful impulse in my head to say exactly one phrase this whole day. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I had an old coworker who used to tell us his dad always answered the phone with this phrase when he talked to him, and we didn't believe him. We thought he was just lying. <laughs> Uh, but then he called his dad in front of us on speaker one time. And it was true. And every time his dad answered the phone, he would say, what's good with you, Snoop? <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. That's, that's, so I want to say, what's good with you, Snoop? Yeah. How you doing? I'm good. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm looking forward to tonight watching a Division II basketball team play against a very good Division I basketball team. I'm sure that that's going to be uh, really compelling. Yeah, enough about, enough about Chris Holtman's Ohio State, though. <laughs> uh-huh. Get his ass. I don't know how they're doing this year. I would assume that they're pretty bad because I know uh, him. But uh, yeah, uh, you, know, they're, you know they're ranked early before they're in oh, the class. Yeah. You know what's going on. They can't get anyway, what's up with Utah State's basketball? They're good. They're, they're they're just good. There's not a whole lot else to say about it. They're just really good. <laughs> they are. What's the uh, record? Uh, they're unbeaten. They're one of the seven teams that's still unbeaten. They're eight and zero. Um, they're Turn up. yeah. They're fucking good. They're really good. They are much better. I than do Ohio subscribe State, to nice. the outside zone, or not the outside zone, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the ag ship. Yeah, but uh, uh, unfortunately, I have not been actually reading. I'm just giving you money. To that's not fine. Read it currently. Listen, that's that's. I mean, that is pretty much what our <laughs> site, our you know, our, our site that we do this for is as well as midfield.com. I can't imagine that any of us actually read each other's stories beyond like editing them. Um, and, yeah, uh, and I don't even edit. I don't yeah, have time to edit. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm. I think I'm kind of the <laughs> only person still editing stories. It seems, <laughs> but I am doing it. If you all were wondering, I am editing stories. Midfield.com is the website for edited, actually edited. I can vouch edited stories. Um, do not take what Ryan says seriously. I do edit the story. <laughs> Uh, midfield.com. It is, uh, it's good. It's the good, it's I go the good rogue. website. I will say I, I have, uh, I have an independent contract separate from everybody else that yeah. allows me full editorial control. Hmm. And, uh, I can post whatever, whatever I want. There's like anything can be written in there. I can write 
Uh, mm-hmm. I won't say what I can write. If it's anything you can imagine. <laughs> well, we've been we I've worked really hard to keep you from posting that list of your favorite slurs, but you're gonna really I think try and push it very hard this off season. You're gonna try and well, get in the that, like get it's that the right. off season. Dude. I mean, yeah. you know, all publicity is good publicity, right? Yeah, it's S- uh, that's SEO right there. That's I, I don't really know what SEO is, but that's SEO if you ask me. That's uh, I think that that's it's a slur slur engagement online. Yeah. <laughs> My slur engagement online Come on, is off you just the charts. me a fastball down the middle. Come <laughs> on, baby. <laughs> uh, tossing a meatball to you. Um, yeah, we've, uh, I'm, I'm good. We've got some bowl games to talk about here. We've got uh, some good ones, and then also Rice, Southern Miss, and others of that, of that nature. Um, we've got some news to talk about. But before we do that, I will tell you a little bit more about midfield.com and I'm going to use Ryan's voice to do it. So here's me. I'm throwing my voice. I'm using Ryan's voice to tell you about midfield.com. Yeah, it's a website about college football um, where we have uh, Patrick, the Sheldy, Mayhorn. Uh, we have Ryan Donnelly. We have Taylor Fulton. We have Asa Bender. We have DJ Burns. We have Kevin Harris. An all-star suicide squad of college football writers uh, covering Ohio State, covering Michigan, covering the entire sport, um, writing about all the major you know, coaching changes and hires and firings and bowl games and championships and rivalries and uh, you know, we're covering the sport in exactly the way this podcast sounds, which is in the sense that um, everyone else thinks we're extremely annoying, but we love the sound of our own voice. And, and if you want to love the sound of our voice too, um, come join the Meet the Midfield Army and come subscribe. Uh, we're going to have some holiday discounts coming by the time you hear this podcast. So keep your keep your eyes open for that. I can't tell you what they are right now because I have not published them yet. But if you follow our social media, they'll be out tomorrow. Yeah, uh, maybe I will. I would say I would put that in the descri- in the description for this, but maybe not. We'll be, just just go to meetatmidfield.com, uh, scroll around on there. It might be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just or, look around. Yeah, or go to Meet at Midfield on Twitter, and it would uh, almost certainly will be there. I think that that very good chance that it is there. Um, and if it's not there, you can just assume that something has gone wrong and you can call the police um meet at midfield is of course the place where we have the premium post it's the place where we have the premium podcasts which um i don't think we're gonna have one of these this week is that right we're not gonna do a premium show for this week uh yeah it's coming out next week we're gonna do it after the world cup we're gonna talk about the world cup yeah um, oh boy i ahead. hope i hope i'm not involved in that because i've not watched the thing <laughs> I mean, you better be watching this Sunday, dude. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. What else, what else see. are you doing? The next time that I watch a live sport that is not college basketball or college football will be the first time in a very long time. It's been several years, I think, since I It's played. the World Cup Championship, and you know I have so much to line. Just, Patrick, yeah. for empathy for your dear uh-huh. friend, B1G underscore Ryan. Mm-hmm. You gotta yeah. watch. Well, I'll, I'll be sure to subscribe to your World Cup newsletter. Um, yeah, yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's got that <laughs> stuff. Probably not a premium pod from us this week, but lots of other good stuff. And then also, of course, the crown jewel is the message board, which is still very good. Extremely good stuff going on over there, even without football games happening. It has been so active. It has been so great these last couple of weeks and really this last month or so. It has it has hit into a, a new gear. Um, right now, we've got threads on the, the bowl season games. We've got threads on both playoff games because, of course, both teams that we cover primarily are in the playoff. Uh, we did that. We caused that to happen, so you can thank us for that. Um, we've got something on Mac Brown uh, pretty much just taking out a gun and shooting Drake May. Uh, we've got FIU talk. We've got draft talk. We've got book talk. We've got movie talk. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty much everything that you could... Uh, that you could possibly want, not just in a message board, but in your entire life. I don't know what else you would really 
need it will uh it will it will satisfy every sort of uh thing on the on the hierarchy of needs all of them are just posting and we've got posting and i don't know what more you could want Mm -hmm. um we are also presented by homefieldapparel.com uh proudly presented and completely endorsed everything that we say on the podcast the rest of the way is from homefieldapparel.com directly we're reading from a press we're reading from a press release Um, it's the top slur engagement online podcast in america yeah that's true uh it is a podcast but homefield apparel is a podcast that's that right as well. yeah we're the we're the official home field apparel podcast <laughs> <laughs> um it's uh it's high quality collegiate vintage apparel it is not a podcast they've got sweatshirts they've got t-shirts they've got sweatpants i think they have a couple stickers even if you go over there and you mm. use the code meet at midfield for your first purchase you can get 15 percent off um wow. they've got all sorts of cool stuff going on over there right now with the holidays you should go check out their social media it is just home field apparel i believe without the I think in, in apparel, um, regardless, if you just look up home field on Twitter, I'm sure you'll find it. It's not hard. They're, they're all over the place. Uh, they've got all sorts of cool stuff going on. They've got cool stuff on the website. Uh, I just recently purchased a pair of mystery shirts. I got a St. Louis and a USC, I think both of which were very cool. Uh, the USC one, unfortunately I will have to wear with shame, but I will, I will do it all the same. Um, you deserve that. I yeah. hope I hope he saw your who it was wearing it and picked that for you because you yeah. deserve that. That would be pretty funny. I mean, it's not. I don't have a problem with USC per se. It's just Lincoln Riley. Really, I just have a yeah. beef with Lincoln Riley. The rest of it, I don't really care about. You were um, a big Clay Helton guy, though. Yeah, it was a. I'm, I'm really anybody named Clay Helton Higgins. If if they're named Clay, right. I, I like them. That's uh, Aiken. Um, really, yeah. the the kind of the big <laughs> three is what I've always said is, is... Uh, jo- Senator uh, Senator Clay um, of the sexual differences era of united states sure john clay former wisconsin running back just uh, it's yeah. uh, you know it's a, it's a nice and moldable name and you got to like that um yeah mm-hmm. homefieldapparel.com code meet at midfield for 15 percent off your first purchase go over there or else uh, that's all i'm gonna say or else watch out buddy we'll we, we have your ip address we will be sending a uh, a drone strike to your location if you don't go to homefieldapparel.com we can check we we have uh that's so true listening to this podcast does automatically enroll you in sort of a key logging program and that is just uh it's it's part of the deal that you make when you listen to this podcast especially when you listen to the free one when you listen to the premium one which you get with the subscription to meet at midfield.com you don't have to pay that you are uh you're you're good to go you don't have to worry about us sort of uh doing like a computer style hack on you like a 1980s guy i just watched die hard and so i'm like thinking about the guy in that movie uh we're gonna kind of do that to you if you don't pay for the premium show um and that's uh, that's part of the agreement. And you, know, and you are looking forward to our entire. Uh, we're, we're actually our next premium podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this one. It's just ninety minutes of us going. But dude, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yeah, that would be, that uh, would and we're be just gonna cool. do that the whole time. See, yeah, yeah, that would be cool. However, I am afraid that you are not allowed to make that joke because I think you do still listen to Bill Simmons' podcast, and that's like the no, place I about stopped it. about a year ago. Unfortunately, <laughs> you, I uh, it became too bad yeah. for you. No, it's not even that. I just like. It is still like I'll still every now and then I'll queue up an episode he's featured on of something else. Like I, I listen to like the big picture and rewatchables of their of their shows. Yeah, uh, and the Ringer, who is our parent company, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I don't know. Like he's obviously a moron, but he is still funny. I'm so, Bill Simmons is just like funny in like a, a, a young dad way, kind of. Yeah. Um. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh. I don't know. Like he's a dipshit, of course, but like he's a sports. We talked about this. It's, I mean, he like shaped. There's people who hate on Bill Simmons, but like whose careers directly exist because of Bill Simmons. Yeah. Like, I don't know. We have the same problem. Obviously, we have uh, uh, online beast people who who our careers wouldn't exist if they did. Like we do, <laughs> we do exactly what I'm describing. But like, 
I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's Bill Simmons, baby. He's a, he's an icon. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk news. We've got lots of news, lots of coaching news. A um, little bit of portal news, really just the one thing. Uh, but at the top is, uh, of course, the biggest you know news story of the of, of the college football week of the college football month. I mean, probably of the season. Uh, Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach, Mike Leach has passed at 61 years old after suffering what has been reported as a, a significant heart attack. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we have a ton that we really can add to this. I don't know if this is a great avenue to talk about this kind of thing in general, um, especially given our stature is kind of a joke podcast. Uh, but Mike Leach, yeah. I, I think is, you know, a, a tremendously important figure in the history of college football and the history of football in general. Um, and, uh, it is, it is sad. It's very sad. He, you know, I, I think that he got to go out sort of, uh, it, it sounds like not really painfully. It's not, I mean, he, he went out winning the egg bowl. He went out, uh, as you, as you, you noted, which I think on the, on the boards, which I think was ac- absolutely accurate. He went out pretty much like how he always was, you know, kind of forcing players yeah. out of the program and being sort of an asshole. Like that's, I, I think that that is, there is like, I think he would appreciate that sentiment is like, yeah, he was who he was. He was always who he was. And, and he was doing it until, his final days. And I think that there's something very, uh, you know, very nice about that, very kind of poetic about that. But um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's sad. And like just the outpouring of stories too, of like both from former players and media members, all people he's around in his life of just like, you know, his interactions with them, kind of the influence he had in their life, just his general, uh, like you wouldn't call it like niceness. He's not nice or polite, but like seemed to have like a profound kind of kindness and curiosity to him. Yeah. The way that I found was really fascinating. I mean, just like obviously touched many people and um, yeah, man, I mean, Leach is he, he, the way he changed the game of football too is, is so incredible. And this is, I'm obviously the first one to make this observation, but just his principles being so translatable yeah. to so many levels of football, like just, I mean, executing at a very high level on a very small number of plays is he democratized passing the football and in football the same way that you know the triple option or the wing T or the wishbone democratized the run. Right? Yep. It's a very limited playbook with a very high level of execution and discipline, and it's I mean that's an incredible thing to bring to the game, and it's obviously spread throughout the entire country. And it's seen at the high school level so frequently in a way it's fascinating. I mean, yeah, he, he is. I mean, he changed one of the most influential men in history of football. Yeah, he changed the state of Texas like forever. He changed the way that quarterbacks develop. He changed the way that quarterbacks play. I mean, I think that there is a direct I, I don't even think I know there is a direct correlation between the proliferation of his system and the teaching of it and how sort of open it was and how available it was to high school coaches, to quarterback coaches, right. to everybody. Um, I think you can draw a direct line between Leach's rise and the overall, I think, improvement of quarterback play, right? It's much better. Quarterback play is much, much better than, than it was when he found it, basically. Um, you have more guys who are you know, smarter with reading defenses. You have more guys who can throw the ball better. You have more guys who are more experienced within systems that are friendlier to quarterbacks. I think that it is, uh, it, it has even just the quick read, like the quick read passing is like, so like developed from him too. Like yeah. there's so many parts of like a football that just d- didn't exist prior. Yeah. There are, there are a lot of things in the passing game in the modern passing game that are taken for, for granted, just considered, you know, yeah, that's obvious. Uh, obviously you're going to want to put defenders in, in conflict. Obviously you're going to want to have these routes in your, in your offense, but like, they weren't <laughs> until him, until him and Mike, or until him and Hal Mummy came around. Like th- it was not 
that was not the way you passed the ball. Most teams just didn't really pass the ball, and when they did, it was kind of a throwaway. It was just, well, let's try and get the ball down the, down the field really quickly, or let's try to you know, just have one or two routes that might be open, try to win a one-on-one matchup. Like, it, it just, it was very, very rudimentary. There was really not a strong understanding of how to throw the football until, you know, until Leach came around. And there were other coaches who I think are, are deserving of, of credit as well. Um, what was the guy's name? Uh, Cooley, who was at uh, Mississippi Valley. Uh, with with Jerry right Rice. and how mummy of course yeah, how yeah mummy, I mean of course but like this is the, it, it's you know he's really the 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 tip of the spear for this he was very very important Archie Cooley was his name um uh, really I, I think his impact is incalculable I don't think it could even be quantified it, it is, he has permanently permanently altered the sport in a way that I think is really I mean, very few coaches have done that ever. Very few people have done that ever, have had as large an impact on the way football is played than, than he did. Um, and it is a, it's a tremendous loss for the sport. It is a, it is a tremendous loss for the sport. And it, it's, you know, he impacted quite a few people, as, as has been apparent in the, in the outpouring of stories, like you said, in the last couple of days. Um, he was a, a the, the word I have seen a lot is complicated man. I think that that is entirely accurate, but he also just died, and you know he was. It was probably not his time yet. He was 61. I think that he had. I think he had years left to go. I think he had coaching time left to give, and it is. Uh, it is unfortunate that the football world has been kind of robbed of that. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, it stinks. I, I do want to transition here very slightly with one kind of story about him. It was. I, I got to look up who did this report, but. Uh, our next topic here, essentially, who his replacement is at Mississippi State. Yep. Uh, and did you hear, did you read the story about how he was hired? Um, originally, like as a, as a coordinator? Uh, yeah, how Leach hired him. Yes, I did. I, I read, so the, the new head coach, for those of you who have not seen this at Mississippi State, is defensive coordinator Zach Arnett, who's a favorite of ours on this show. He was at San Diego State. Yes. He's a Rocky Long guy. Um, he, uh, there, there was, a I will say the Rocky long quote on him was very funny. Yeah. I, so this is from Did a, you read uh, that? Did you? <laughs> I, yes, this is from a Ross Dellinger story. I believe at sports illustrated. Um, I'm going to say I skimmed the story because I thought it was fucking awful outside of the quotes. It looked like he had written it yeah. in about 20 different parts and was just sort of pulling from <laughs> the team bio in a lot of places, which is embarrassing. Um, but the quotes in here were, were, were great and sort of the nut of the story was great. So what was, what was, uh, what was the, the deal here? I gotta. Well, first of all, the way he hired uh, Zach Arnett. L- l- let me do this. Uh, just vamp on a second for Arnett's kind of style, because I want to pull this exact Rocky Long quote because it was very funny. Yeah. So, uh, so Zach Arnett is is part of a, uh, a a growing group of three three five defensive coordinators. We've talked about these guys before. Tony White, who was at Syracuse, who got hired somewhere else. I can't remember. I shouldn't have brought up another guy. I need to look up. Um, where did he, he got hired at Nebraska, I believe, which is, I think a pretty good hire, but, um, this is a kind of a growing contingent in football defensive co- among defensive coordinators. Rocky Long, of course, is the creator, but the three, three, five has been around for a while and it's, it's really starting to kind of take hold in larger conferences. And our net has had a lot of success with it. You see it usually opposite, really explosive, really, you know, quick offenses that want to move down the field. A lot of air raid de- uh, teams run this on defense. Um, Leach, I, I think, specifically had a lot of interest in getting guys that run the 3-3-5 opposite him because it does not require 
uh, as big of, of guys in the middle of the field. You can have guys who can stay on the field longer because they're going to need to be on the field for a while and they're going to have to be able to move pretty quickly to keep up with the offense. Um, and the three three five is really a it's it's a lot like Gary Patterson's four two five where it was sort of developed because they had less access to talent and so they needed to figure out a way to, to make up for that. And three three five yep. does that really really well. And Arnett is. I would say one of the best uh, doing it right now, uh, if not the best. He's he is uh, yeah. right up there with with uh, with Rocky Long in terms of how much he understands the system and how he deploys it. So really quick, uh, the the quote from Rocky Long. He was asked by also by Ross Dellinger if uh, he uh, what he thought of Arnett getting the permanent gig. And here's this awesome quote. Thank you, Ross, for publishing this. It's so useful. Yeah, uh, Rocky Long. Do I think he can handle it? Yeah, I think he can handle it. He'd be a good choice. Cool. Good quote. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for publishing that one, that's, Ross. I got, I got a awesome. lot out of that. Yeah, when you get uh, that, when you get a quote like that, you got to run to the computer to get it down. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I brought this article did suck for Ross that yeah, we're talking awful. about, but I do actually like his work, Ross. I think he's pretty talented. Yeah, I'm gonna, uh, get, I'm gonna guess that there was probably some circumstances here that made it, uh, that, that made this a, you know kind of a difficult story to to put down um yeah largely in the fact that you don't really know that mike leach is going to die so you can't pre-write it um right and so i mean, guess he kind of had to throw this together on the fly but it's a it's a dog shit mm. story but there are some interesting things in there <laughs> um, but but the story what I was, the reason we brought this up in the first place is that uh the, the story here i'll just read it from uh from ross donger verbatim fox and hound is a bar and grill nestled in north mississippi town of south haven there's nothing spectacular about it. It's got a pool table or two, some dartboards, and serves burgers, wings, and buckets of cold beer. But now Fox and Hound be known for something else. It's where Mike Leach could have been Zachary to join his staff at Mississippi State. In a in a most Leach move, the coach hired Arnett during a more than three-hour phone call at a bar. Um, he was sitting over there in the corner, got on the phone with Arnett, trying to get him as the coordinator, recalls Brad Peterson, then the high school relations director for Leach. Me and assistant Mason Miller shot pool and threw darts waiting on him to get off the phone. Um, anyway, that's basically <laughs> Mike Leach. It's very funny. He's bringing his like high school relations director uh, to get drunk at home with a bar like three hours away from campus for some reason. Yeah. Uh, love that he does that. That's that's really cool. I love. I really did love Mike Leach. I know, I know he has a complicated legacy or whatever, but I think he is just a genuinely fascinating guy. His stories about him and like his bar stories basically about him and Key West and uh and in in Florabama and all those places he's gone it seems like he's just a normal fucking guy in the sense of like he just likes to he likes an old man that likes Hawaiian shirts to go to the bar and having beers and he seems like a great he's a guy you'd love to meet at the bar like a classic yeah. re- regular at a bar you go to that you would love to hang out with for one night where he just like somehow tells you about like his ex-wife and gives you cigarettes seems like yeah. a great guy yeah yeah absolutely I, I think that that is uh you know just just a, kind of a throwback to a kind of coach that doesn't really exist anymore a kind of person that doesn't really exist anymore um yeah. and also as a as a football coach uh one in in a pair of school you know in a pair of places that it didn't seem possible to win in at the level that he did and then would seem to be well on his way to doing the same thing at mississippi state had already had some success there but what he did at texas tech and what he did at washington state were uh, both, I mean, kind of standard setters at those at those respective programs. Impossible places to win, and he did it in both places. His system 
was right. He was right. He, he, he thought that he could change the way that football was played, and he was correct. He did it. He did it at the highest level, um, and I think that that is obviously deserving of being celebrated. So as, as for Zach Arnett, I do want to talk briefly about this. Um, what do you think about this? Uh, I think it's kind of, they don't really have much of a choice in the matter. I don't think you can make any other hire but this one. Um, from what I've gathered, Steve Spurrier Jr., who's the offensive coordinator, is not especially well-liked and also didn't didn't call the plays, doesn't really do anything because he was a Mike Leach offensive coordinator. Um, it seemed like Arnett was kind of the move that they had to make. Um, I think it's fine. I, I don't have any issues with this. I understand the circumstances. I think he could absolutely do well. I would be a little bit worried about what's going to happen with that offense. I'm curious to see where he takes that, um, given that he's a defensive-minded coach, but I, I think it could absolutely work. All the, all the, the, the discussion of Arnett that I have ever seen is, is overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like he is just well regarded by everyone he works with. I, I, I do like I'm I, has he he's announced an OC yet? I feel like I try to prep this in the podcast, but I don't think he's announced an OC hire, correct? Impossible um, to, impossible to know. Hard hard to know for sure. Um I, would, I mean that that will be critical to me. I, I I guess I'm just like I don't know. I I, I I guess I have to know who he is hiring as OC because that to me would shape my opinion of his of his success here. But I think as a defensive coach, yeah, he's fantastic. He's been the strength of their team for the last couple of years. Yeah. I'm, um, I, I am curious to see if he how much of the staff he keeps around. I would guess most of it, right? Um I don't know. In a move you, like this, you're expected for the first year to do that. Yeah, I don't know that you come in and, and blow up the blow up the staff completely. Maybe you make a couple changes. Um I am uh I'm I'm glad to and it it encourages me as well that it yeah, I it seems like he's gonna have a lot of help, uh specifically from Tony Hughes, who we have talked about on this show before when we did the coach draft. Uh mm-hmm. long time assistant. He's the assistant, uh he's the associate head coach here rather. Um he has been around the block and I think that he is a very good guy to have around with a, a first time head coach, a very young head coach, a guy kind of getting, you know, getting his feet under him in a pretty big job at a pretty, in a pretty major level. Um, I think that that, uh, I think that could work out really, really well. I am, I'm curious to see what the staff looks like, but I would guess it's going to be pretty similar. And I would guess that they're probably going to, in general, look a lot like they have. They won't be the same, but I think that they'll be pretty similar. Um, anything else on this one before we move on? Uh, no, no, I think I'm good. I, I think we can go on to our next step here, which is, uh, which is Kenny Burns being yeah. hired at Kent State. Um, Patrick, what, I guess, I mean, he, he's obviously replacing uh, Sean Lewis here. That's going to be the OC at Colorado. Uh, Lewis had one of the better 10 years at Kent State in recent memory, one of the, like, one of the more disadvantaged, uh, maybe the most disadvantaged program in all of FBS football. Maybe UMass is worse off, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's bad. Probably Kent State, right? It's yeah, probably it's, Kent State. Especially because Kent State is doing this in a conference. They are significantly broker than other teams in their conference, whereas UMass is just, you know, broke for an independent. But Kent State is, like, much worse off than every other team in the MAC, and, and Sean Lewis consistently had them competing at a bowl level, which is very impressive. Um, Kenny Burns, for those of you unfamiliar, was Minnesota's associate head coach. He was the, what is it, running backs coach, I think? Um, or yeah, was yeah running backs position. coach and assistant head coach, like you said. Yeah. He has been there since 2017. Yeah, he came over um, with PJ Fleck from Western Michigan. He was the running backs coach at Western Michigan for that 13-1 and team in 2016. Um, he, that, I mean, I think that that's sort of the main thinking behind the hire is, you know, this is a Fleck guy. Fleck obviously had a lot of success in the Mac at Western Michigan. Um, one of the better known Mac coaches in, in recent memory. And they're trying to not necessarily get that continuity because this is not a Fleck staff, but get that sort of 
energy, get that kind of heat. With uh, with program building, I would guess that Burns is going yeah. to get after it on the recruiting trail. This is not going to be a a scheme first program like it was under Sean Lewis. It will have, I'm sure, interesting stuff going on, but this is largely a a program building hire, I think, which which makes some sense. I don't know. It's I, I'm really cautious about saying that any hire at Kent State will work because it is such a difficult job. Yeah, none of them will like, work. That, that's like, let's just, I think it's like like their their upside is like making a couple bowl games, yeah. right? Like that's yeah, but the program's broke. That's the issue. Yeah, but if he can, I mean, if he can get to a couple bowl games, that is absolutely a success. And I don't, I, I mean, I think that could happen. I don't, uh, I don't have a great reason to think that he can't be successful. I'm not confident, but that's just a Kent State thing. That's not his fault. Um, any thoughts on this? Um, uh, not really actually, actually on the hire, but I do think it's pretty funny. I'm, I'm looking at the Minnesota website for his coaching profile. You know how most of them do like a standard, like it's, it's, I don't know what the company is. There's some kind of standard out of the box website that most athletic departments <laughs> yeah, use. Sidearm, uh, I believe. Min- a sidearm it's called. Yeah. Minnesota's using a non-standard one here yeah. and uh, they have uh, like below the usual, like coaching experience, you know, bowls, coach, et cetera, all that shit. They have, uh, they have a series of personal details and it goes birthday, hometown, High school alma mater, and it's like you know, you yeah. know, November twenty fourth, Springfield, Illinois, etc. And then it goes wife, Sierra, daughter, <laughs> Rosaya, son, Cohen. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> that's, that's really really good. That's really good. Just, just put like you have that on every coach's pro- profile, just like wife. Dude, NA. I wonder if they do. We should actually check. I'm, I'm looking this up. Because uh, then, we'll the, see. yeah, the only DJ Fleck has four wives listed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no his does as well actually it has wife heather daughters paisley and harper sons gavin and carter that's damn awesome. that is a white ass like yeah that is one of the whitest family tree overall thing you can have here you cannot be named gavin or carter fleck that is that is shameful that is shameful behavior paisley like harper gavin and carter Good is just God. that's the whitest foursome of kids you've ever Ugh. heard in your life yeah that's that's tough that's a tough i went with i went to new albany with all four of those kids uh uh, that is <laughs> that is brutal. Um, all right, next up here is uh, is North Texas, which has wait really quick. Sorry, sorry. Before you get to, there's yeah. a little controversy here. Okay. Uh, for some reason, other people have you know son or daughter listed, but Paul Haynes, their co DC, mm. uh, his just has wife Danita and then children as a category. Oh, okay. All right. What's do we think? On? Do we think he has like non-binary children or wait, is he I, like? Are they I think like we have this? to assume that that's what the, that. I, I think that's the only explanation there's no other explanation we have to assume that all of paul haynes's kids are non-binary um let's check one more coach sorry one more coach here all right uh oh this guy's unmarried does it say wife unmarried or does it just say in like bold unmarried there's nothing about his children or wives damn um they just have any on his his profile picture there's just like a red stamp that says unmarried (laughs) (laughs) what minnesota's a pretty lutheran state right what's up with lutherans broadly hard to say really impossible to know what's up with lutherans especially uh especially in 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 today's difficult times it's it's there's just no way to know what's going on with those guys we should play a game which is does anyone on the minnesota coaching staff have a child with a whiter name than paisley (laughs) um (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) we probably shouldn't make fun of coaches children on the podcast Yeah, we're playing. Right. We're, we're playing. Who got the whitest son? The classic game. <laughs> we asked. We surveyed a hundred people. <laughs> Who's got the oh, whitest boy, son? White, white. Yeah. <laughs> Who's got the whitest son on Minnesota staff? 
<laughs> Top five answers are on the board. <laughs> Honestly, that actually just an idea here really quick in the off season. If we got other people on and played like a family feud style college ball <laughs> trivia game, we need to guess the yeah <laughs> that could be fun that would be fun um, which of us gets to be steve harvey though it's the eternal question who gets to be steve harvey yeah I well think... we also have that same problem in the bedroom you and i yeah uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah who's the steve harvey of the relationship who, who wears the mustache <laughs> no, I, I... which use steve harvey which use a Stephen a smith <laughs> Asking that to heterosexual couples. <laughs> All right, so who's who's the who's the Harvey of the relationship? What do we? <laughs> oh man, oh, well we, this this next yep. guy, there's no doubt about it. We know that this is a Stephen A. Smith style individual. Eric Morris <laughs> is the next head coach at North Texas. Um, apparently, they didn't like the last uh, 37-year-old leech uh, leech tree product who was a play caller before going to North Texas, uh, and they had to get a different one. They fired Seth Luttrell to hire uh, literally Seth Luttrell. They hired him again. It's just, mm. This is the same fucking guy. It's the same exact guy. Why did they do this? What is the point? I don't even care if it works. What was the fucking point of this? Why? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know at all. <laughs> just a waste of money. Um, just, just, just spending money to spend it. No reason at all. No, obviously, no convictions in doing this. Did not actually believe in doing it. Just did it to look like they were doing something. Um, and then went out and hired literally the same guy. He's the same exact guy. He will have the same results. It's this is. Come on, what are we doing here? Why? Every team that's moving Ugh. into the AAC, except for FAU, is entirely unserious. They are not taking football seriously. They are just—they just got a bunch of money, and they're like, "Oh, well, I guess I'll fire my coach. I guess I'll go. I guess I'll go hire Trent Dilfer. That seems like a good thing to do with this money." Just, we're, none of them were ready for it. None of them were ready to make this jump. They are all losers. It does not. Except for UTSA. UTSA did not do this because UTSA is a real program. But the rest of these guys, not taking it seriously. They are, they are not to be not to be considered until until further notice. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this fucking league. This league sucks. This league sucks really bad. I'm I'm They're I, just they're just doing a slightly more talented version of Conference USA, right? Yeah. They're making the same exact mistakes. Yeah. Uh as as you as as Cusa did during the last kind of run of realignment, but with just a little bit better programs. Yeah, it which, sucks, dude. Which it really that, sucks. That's the issue with expanding right now is that the AAC had no strong culture. The AAC had no culture of innovation right now. It is not a good conference at this point. And so it's not a case of, oh, we're going to bring these CUSA teams in and we're going to show them the ways of the AAC. It's, oh, we're going to bring these CUSA teams in and become the CUSA. We have, we like, that's... You've just become the CUSA, guys. You just recreated it. You have a whole bunch of mismatched teams and a bunch of shitty coaches, and every team is going to go five and seven for the next three years until you realize that this sucks, that this is not working. Uh, just, just monumentally stupid couple of years from the AAC. Yeah. I mean, SMU is going to leave, right? That's just what's going to happen. I think UTSA is. I think UTSA is an infinitely better program. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair. Um, I mean, I don't know. SMU is still SMU. SMU is at least one year ahead of, of of everybody else in firing its bad coach and moving on. They'll get to do it one year. And there's still there's still just money there too. Yeah. Right? Like that. That's just a different level of money. Yeah, but it's just bad. It's bad right now. It's a bad league. I think that UTSA is immediately going to run it as soon as they they step in the step in the door. Um, 
Um, I guess Tulane could still have some success, uh, but man, it's not good. I'm not excited about it, uh, and I'm certainly not excited about this move at North Texas. Next up here is a move that uh, we have, I mean, talked about plenty uh, in the hypothetical that is now real. Jeff Brom is headed to Louisville, uh, as I guess as wow. expected. <laughs> it's kind of the only hire you, that they were really going to make, but they did it. They made. You just it. tell me this for the first time. This is this is crazy. Yeah, he was a, he was a great man. Um, <laughs> this is uh, this is good, right? This is a good hire for Louisville. It's probably the best. That it, that it realistically could have done, um, and yeah, I, I think that it's it's the hire really that they had to make. If you're going to move on from Saturday, it's the hire they had to make. But like, I don't know. Like, this is they're good, just going to go. They're going to be like a nine and three football team most years, right? That's yeah. just like better than being a seven and five team most years. But this like is, they're just hiring slightly worse Dave Doran. <laughs> Yeah, this is a good juncture to, to, to have the discussion of, is Jeff Brom good? Is he a good coach? Um, I don't know. He's fine. I like, he's, he's a good he, – he should have a job as a college football head coach. But, like – Yeah. I don't think – I mean, was, Louisville's had how many goddamn top 25 finishes? In the, like, this is a higher ceiling as a program than Jeff Brom provide, I think. Is it? I mean, they, they – what? They had a couple really good years under Petrino, but the best years were still three loss years. Um, and then before that, they were good under – Petrino again, but outside of Petrino, are they really that good of a program? It seems like they're kind of not. I guess they're fine. Yeah. I mean, they like their best run, I guess you would argue is they had five, they had four ranked finishes in a five year stretch. Uh, I guess it's not that good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, it's a better program than Purdue. I don't think it's a better job than Purdue. I think he took it because he's an, you know, alumnus and not because he thinks it's a better job. It's objectively not a better job. I think the athletic department there is kind of a mess. Um, but it's, you know, I think it'll probably be fine. I think it can get eight yeah. wins pretty consistently, which is about what Louisville should expect. I'm just not really, I'm going to be honest, I'm just not really interested in this program in the ACC. I just, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. I don't think that it really culturally fits all that well. And I don't think that they really have that much money or commitment to sports at this point, not because they don't want yeah. to, but because they are just in disarray. It's just a bad, it's a bad program right now. Not just football. Here's, here's a prediction department. I'll make. Um, because if it's the, the highest known quantity, uh, this is the last time ever we will see the ACC higher or, or the ACC big 12 or PAC 12 hire a sitting big 10 head coach. Hmm. I don't know about that because I think that you will continue, continue to see, you know, guys who went to those schools going to the Big Ten and then going back home. I don't think that's impossible to to consider that. Well, it's my hot take, not yours, Patrick. All right. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll keep track of that. Um, staying in the Big Ten to replace This Jeff is not Brown. our best episode. We're just hanging out. <laughs> Always good. Always good to include that on the podcast. We're kind of stinking up the place this time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, dude. We're, we're not giving it. We're not giving an A plus here. The chemistry's a little bit off. We, we got to... <laughs> We have, I mean, to, gotta, to give people. We gotta go back. I mean, we took like a week off from podcast, and we just got. I mean, yeah. We gotta get back to our base place. We gotta start running some RPOs and, and just get. I don't know. We gotta make jokes about like penises and Pat mm-hmm. Fitzgerald or something. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Pat Fitzgerald penis small as hell. Damn. Just, that's, that's the next. That boy minutes. got no Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, the cock looking ridiculous out there. <laughs> you got the pinky ring penis. <laughs> oh man have you ever seen have you seen that guy um i can't remember who posted this it was a while ago but it was this this tiktok guy 
who just does like tutorials. Two inch gang? No, he oh, does no. he does tutorials for like um like uh just 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 like how to make your dick do the helicopter is the first one that i remember him doing. <laughs> are you familiar with this guy it's, it's, i we, wish i could remember his uh his name or literally anything about him but it's this guy and every video just starts with like how to make your dick do the helicopter <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's uh, really cool that's the next head coach at northwestern though so we're we're all really excited about that um so anyway, staying in the Big Ten, next up uh, is Purdue trying to replace Jeff Brom, and they go out and they grab another favorite of the show here, Illinois defensive coordinator Ryan Walters. Um, I will give them credit for this. I think that this is a much more inspired hire than a lot of the hires this cycle. I think that he can do really well. I think Ryan Walters is absolutely a, a good pick. I don't know if he was the best pick, but given what we had seen as other potential candidates, like um, the one that I saw a lot was I think Jamarcus Shepard, who was a former player at Purdue, I think, and a former wide receivers coach. Might not have played there, but he was definitely a former wide receivers coach. Um, And he had left to go to Washington, where he's he's currently a a co-offensive coordinator. I would not have been very excited about that. I would like to see him come back to Purdue as the offensive coordinator under Walters, but I think that Walters is probably the the better pick, and I think he was one of the best picks of what they could have done here. Maybe they could have thrown a a little bit more money around, but I don't. I don't mind this if your alternative is like Dave Doran. I think that this is. uh, I think this is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think it's given. You know. I like the hire a lot. I think he makes sense for this job. I think he's a guy who was going to get a power five job very soon. Um, likewise, as I said, with Zach Arnett, I'm very curious to see who his OC is and like kind of what this offense looks like under him. Yeah. Um, but I do think that this is a job that has a ton of potential with, with Brian Walters there. I mean, if you're, it seems like they're not having many transfers out, right? Like I know it's very early on, but it seems like the word is they're not going to lose many players to Brahms Louisville. Yeah. So if you're basically keeping Brahms offensive talent to some level, and maybe upgrading a quarterback with the right transfer, and you're you know bringing in Ryan Walters' defensive coaching, I think that's a huge upgrade. Like, Purdue had a good defense this year. I'm not doing it wrong. They, they didn't have a terrible defense, but like adding a top five defense to that offense is, they could have a pretty quick rise in the Big Ten West. This could work out very well if he maintains that offense. Yeah, I mean, it's not like Illinois has elite talent, and he produced a damn good defense out there. So I, I think that overnight, it's, yeah, yeah, I think it's absolutely a, a a a distinct possibility here. I am curious about that sort of identity for Purdue because I think that that they have something pretty good going with being the offense team in the West. I, I think that they would do well to lean into. Um, specifically, I think the Kalen DeBoer system would make a lot of sense if they wanted to go get Shepard. I think they should. That would be my pick. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense opposite this this defense. I think it'd be a really good fit. I think they'd be really good pretty pretty quickly. Um, and uh, I'm hoping for that. That's that's sort of what I'm what I'm pulling for. That is what I'm guessing that they're going to do. I've not seen any news on that, but also there could be news at pretty much any time. Um, I think it could be good. I, I think it could work. I hope that they don't go fully into man ball, not because I don't like man ball. I think that it's it's a pretty good idea in the West for a lot of these schools, but because I think that enough schools in the West are running it that there's really no reason to at Purdue. I don't think you have to, and I think that they they kind of have their own niche already that they should really stick to, and I, I would guess that they're probably going to. I don't think that Ryan Walters is dumb. I don't think that he's going to just automatically, oh, well, I need to just make it exactly like Illinois. You know, he was at Illinois for two years. I don't, uh, I'm not, I'm not super worried about it. I think he'll probably do well there. Um, next up is a firing without a replacement yet. I don't know who the fuck they're going to hire to replace this guy. Ken Niamatololo has been fired at Navy after they lost in overtime to Army. Um, th- I will say about this what a lot of people who I think are being kind of 
overly generous to David Shaw have said about David Shaw at Stanford. Um, I don't think you can hire to this job and be successful right now. I just, I don't, I don't think you can. I, I think that the restrictions at Navy are too, too strict. I don't think you can win here right now with anybody. I think anybody who they hire here is going to be pretty much doomed from the jump. Um, I would guess that Brian Bohannon is going to be involved, who is the head coach at Kennesaw State, one of the few guys still running a flex bone option, which I assume, I mean, if Navy doesn't run the option, then they're going to go 0-12. Um, yeah. But they, I mean, I think they're fucked. I, I think that they are fucked pretty well, much. I, I, here. Here's a question. Sorry to interrupt. Will we ever see a service academy, just to, to carry out the leech conversation, will we ever see a service academy go air raid? Um, I think the likeliest is probably Air Force, right? Because they have the least, right. they have the, the the fewest restrictions, um, and they are sort of the least committed to that style of football because they don't really need to be. Um, they are still, and it, it's beneficial for them to run the option. But I think that after um, after Calhoun is gone, I could see them trying to make more of a move to the passing attack. I think they've done it before. They've been a really good passing team before, so it would not be. It would not be un, you know, uncharted territory there. I, I think Army might have tried it once, if memory serves, um, once or twice, but it, it's not usually especially successful. Um, I'd be curious to see what it would look like just as an experiment, but I, I would not be super optimistic about it for, for whatever reason, it seems like the option is a better fit for these schools. I don't really know why that is. I guess maybe lineman size would be, would be the easiest explanation because mm. the air raid usually calls for really big linemen and you can you like literally cannot have those guys at the service academies. You're not allowed to be that big. Um, yeah. You gotta so, have a bunch of guys who are built like, like a division, like, but like lower level division one power forwards. Like you yeah. have a bunch of like six, six two seventy guys. Yes. Line for you. Yeah. You're, you're going to be kind of funny. You're going to need five yeah. guys who look like bulldogs. Basically you have to have just, yeah. just bulldog shaped men on your offensive and defensive <laughs> lines. You need, you need a bunch of guys who are built like, Deshaun Thomas playing uh playing line oh, for you. Yeah, that's a great poll. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um yeah, so I'm I'm really I'm curious to see where this goes, but also like not really because I don't think it's gonna work. I don't think that 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 can was the problem. I think that the problem there is is intrinsic to the program and really cannot be fixed until like there are literally changes to the way that things operate there. Not even just like, oh, the athletic director is bad, he is, but it's not even just a matter of like the policy of the administration is bad. It is like the rules for the school are going to prevent you from succeeding in football right now. Um, it's just the way that it is. They're less strict at Army, and also Army's not in a conference, and then they're especially not strict pretty much at all at Air Force, which has had you know a lot of success in a conference. I don't think that Navy's going to be able to win right now in a conference. I don't think it has the ability. Um, they should get out of the AAC. That would be my first. That would be my first advice. You should leave the AAC because I don't think that it's going to work uh, in the long term. I don't think that it was sustainable and it has it has proven as much. I, I, I don't know that you can do that unless you're at Air Force, basically. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't really know where this is going. I don't really know what the point is. It seems like another one of those just sort of trying to prove that you're doing something. Um, I'm interested to see what Ken does next. I think that he could, uh, if he wanted, easily be, I mean, he could be an analyst pretty much anywhere in the country. I would love to see him get a head coaching job in the Mountain West probably next year. I think that he would do a, a tremendous job at a school like New Mexico, which might be in the market next year. Um, Hawaii is the one that has ties because he played there, but they did just hire Timmy Chang. I think that, I think there are a lot of jobs that would make sense for him. I don't think he's going to take one right here, but I could see him returning to the sport in a couple of years. I hope he does. I, I hope that we've not seen him coach his last game because I think he still has stuff left in the tank. I don't really think that anything that has happened at Navy over the last couple of years can be put on, on him, if I'm being honest. Um, I don't think they reflect on him at all. You don't just... Usually you're not a very good football coach, like extremely good, best coach in program history, basically outside of 
wartime um, for like 15 years, you don't just forget how to do that. I, I think that things have changed objectively. Things have changed there in a way that makes it untenable for pretty much any coach unless you are, I mean, like I think Nick Saban could win at Navy, but that's about it. <laughs> and even that would be, I mean, that would be asking a lot at that point because you can't recruit the big boys. Um, it's not good. It's not good here right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not optimistic about the future at, uh, at Navy, which is a bummer because I like when Navy's good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think also the reports too of just the athletic director being a huge asshole about this Yeah, uh, is probably a contributing factor. Yeah. I mean, I think like fired him in the locker room, man, this is I insane. Mean, this is the best. I don't know like, what the, I don't know if Ken like fucked his wife or something. I don't know what the deal was here, but like, it, I mean, yeah. just what, what an asshole. Yeah. Fired his offensive coordinator out from under him last year. Uh, Ken brought him back as a quarterback's coach. Um, this is, I believe Chet Gladchuck is the, is the name of the athletic director. Um, this guy sucks. Fuck this guy. This is a, this is a, a loser, this athletic director. Yeah. Um, we are talking about one of the best coaches in the history of service academies and you're firing him in the locker room after an overtime loss to army. Come on, come Crazy. on. Crazy. Also a yeah. uh, friend of the show, excuse me, Matt Brown, was posting on our, our boards, by the way, just in terms of Ken's next steps here, the idea that he might actually consider a career in the church. Yeah. Uh, he's a he's a pretty heavy influence in the Mormon church, the Church of Latter-day Saints. I wonder if that's true. I wonder if that's interesting. I mean, yeah. that's interesting to think about. That would be, yeah, that would absolutely be interesting. I think that he, I would guess that whatever it is, he will be uh, he will be pretty content. It does, He does not seem like somebody who is going to do something that he does not want to do. I would guess that he will, uh, he will lead his own path here. Um, I'm interested to see what he does. I hope that he lands on his feet. I would assume that he will. Uh, next up here, Stanford has hired Troy Taylor, who was the head coach at Sacramento State, to replace David Shaw. Uh, I like this. I like it a whole lot better than the other finalist that was reported, which is, um, uh, what's his name? Garrett. Jason Garrett, uh, which would have been mm -hmm. just, just immediate dead on arrival. Absolutely no interest in that. Uh, somehow an NFL guy who has even less juice than fucking Herm Edwards would have been would have been one of the worst hires of all time. Um, Troy Taylor, I think, is fine. I I don't have any issues with this. He was the offensive coordinator at uh, Utah briefly for, for 2017 and 2018. He's most recently, as I said, been the head coach at Sacramento State, a program that he has pretty much built on his own. They were nothing before he showed up, and they have been pretty good recently. They were, uh, yeah, they were 12 and 1 this year. They advanced to the uh, quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs. Um, he's good. I think he's a good coach. I'm interested to see what he does here. Their, their, their style is not terribly dissimilar from what Stanford was doing, or at least what it was before these past couple of years. I hope that he takes them back there. I think that Stanford could do something like what Utah does and have a lot of success with it. That was what they did forever. Um, and I, uh, I hope he does that. I hope that that is the path that he takes. I think that would be a very good idea. And I would guess that that is probably what he's going to do. I like it. I like this hire. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, sure. I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm not really interested in Stanford as a program. Here, I'll, I, I I'll, just think like... I'll give you one that you are interested in then because we've talked about this guy before. Yeah. Man, uh, I am really sandbagging today. I'm sorry, Patrick. You're doing, you're doing great work. I'm just, I'm letting you down here, man. <laughs> you got your mind on the, uh, on the World Cup. It's okay. Uh, Lance That's Taylor, true. coach that you like, uh, former assistant, off or I guess he was the offensive coordinator at Louisville. He is the new head coach at Western Michigan. What do you think about this? Yeah, it's great. I mean, he's he's one of the best. He is a guy I think it's the definition of like a better head coach than a coordinator, mm -hmm. right? Like not a particularly impressive play caller, but a very, very good recruiter. And by all accounts, like a great program guy. Like, like, like I don't know. Any coach that is recruiting well outside of their position group for the program they, they work for, I think is often a good indicator they are capable of running a program beyond their current position. Like yeah. 
Taylor recruited everyone for Louisville. Like he was arguably more important to the recruiting than Satterfield was. Yeah. Um, I'd say not even like maybe not even arguably, just definitively was better and more important. Um I think uh I think he's gonna be a huge hire for Western Michigan. Um it's a it's a it's a program that expects to win, first of all, and it's gonna have good infrastructure for him, but also a place where talent acquisition, if you're capable of it at even like a, a just above average level will set you apart from the rest of the conference, right? Like yep. Toledo is consistently miscoached every year, but still finishes in the top, you know, handful of schools in the conference every single year, won the title this year solely because they have more talent than almost anyone else they work with or yep. they play against rather. It's like, I don't know. I think, I think Taylor can be very successful at Western Michigan. I think what's about a good path to get a P five job in the not too distant future as well. Yeah. And this, this is interesting too. This is a trend that I am keeping an eye on. I will say in the Mac, um, another guy who we're, who we're kind of describing here as a program builder, I think, uh, deservedly. So not just because he is known as a recruiter, but because not really known as a scheme guy necessarily scheme would not be the first thing that would come to mind. Same thing with Kenny Burns, who was not no. a play caller. Yeah. Um, and, uh, to an extent, the same thing with Mo Linguist, who was the, the hire at Buffalo back in 2021, um, has his scheme stuff has stuff that he does on defense but the thing that they are kind that they are trying to do there is build the talent level up and so this is now uh three of the last five hires in the mac uh tim alban being excluded because he is not really a program but we don't really know what tim alban is at this point um and joe moorhead he's kind of just low-key vibing yeah. yeah he's just sort of he's kind of hanging out and then joe moorhead who is obviously a scheme guy um but now three of the last five here in the mac have been guys trying to i think increase the talent level at their school and increase the organization at their school i'm curious to see if this is the next place that the mac goes i think that there are going to be a there's going to be a group of coaches who are going to be moving on in the Mac pretty soon, um, either to bigger jobs or because they got fired. Um, Jason Candle comes to mind. Chuck Martin comes to mind. Uh, Chris Creighton, I think, could get a better job. Mike New, I'm sick of. I'm tired of him. I want to see Ball State do something else. Scott Leffler, same thing. Jim McElwain might be approaching the hot seat here pretty soon. I think that a lot of the conference is going to turn over pretty soon, and I think that this could be sort of a, an early indicator of where a lot of these jobs are going to be headed, is uh, P5 assistants who are known as good organization guys, guys who can get the program all pointed in the, in the, you know, in the same direction, get everything organized. I think that we could be headed for sort of a, a new era and a, a better era in the Mac, uh, which I'm excited about. I probably will talk about that more in the, uh, in the off season. Um, last coaching one here, and I'm going to ask you a question. I know that you don't answer, you don't know the answer to, cause I also don't know the answer. Did we talk about Barry Odom to UNLV on the last show? Uh, no, I don't okay. think so. Uh, UNLV is... Because I think we thought... We, I think we were just still talking about how weird it was that uh, fucking... Uh, what was it? The, the, they had already fired uh, Royo. Yeah, for going five and seven. Um, yeah, so anyway, UNLV has hired Barry Odom. Um, he is bringing with him, I guess he is hiring as his offensive coordinator, uh, Bobby Petrino. He's back, folks, he's back. And um, everybody seemingly just forgets why he wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> at this level uh, immediately as soon as they see him again because everybody just has baby brain and sees the jingling keys of, oh, Bobby Petrino, he runs a good offense. Um, I'm uh, I'm already sick of this. This shit sucks. This is not going to work. Uh, I'm good on UNLV. I don't think I need any. I will, uh, I will pass. I will pass on that. I hope it works just because I like when Mountain West teams are good. I would like UNLV to be good, but I don't think it's going to. It seems sort of like you just wanted to get somebody who people know and um, I don't know. I guess that's just the next kind of hire they needed to make until they realized that they need to run the triple. Um, they are, they're speed running the different kind of coaches who you can hire and fail with before they realize that they just can't do it regular and they need to do it with the triple. Um, 
Let's hope they get there sooner than later. Let's hope that Barry Odom can get that get that going really quickly. I believe in him. I have a lot mm-hmm. of faith that he can do that. He sucks, dude. I mean, like he was just he's just been bad at his job too, right? That's the biggest yeah. thing. It's like he's just uh like his defense is sucking every big game. Yeah. I will I'll I'll cover our I'll cover our flank here and say that maybe he has like a Jim Mora style first season where just they were horribly unorganized and having a head coach who has been a head coach before helps them, but his ceiling is so low. I don't think it can really go beyond that. I just, this is not a guy with juice. I don't see any juice with him. I don't really think if you were going to try and get a name guy, there are so many, there are so many better name guys I think you could have gotten for this job, but like, uh, who's getting excited for Barry Odom? Who's like, oh my God, they got Barry Odom. Shit. I got to go to UNLV. Nobody, nobody's excited about Barry Odom. I, I just, I don't know. It's it's not it's not impressive to me. It seems like the state of Nevada is not really taking football seriously. Yep, I mean that's pretty much the size of it, dude. That's uh, that's kind of the whole deal. Yep. Yeah, I'm uh I'm over them. I, I'm uh <laughs> I don't know. No thanks. Yeah. Last little bit of news World here. World Cups on. <laughs> World Cups on. Last little <laughs> bit of news here. Uh, Coastal Carolina quarterback Grayson McCall, as expected, has entered the transfer portal. I believe he visited Auburn recently. Um, I would not be surprised if he lands there. I think that Hugh Freeze would do very well with him. I think that he would make a lot of sense in that offense. I hope he goes somewhere else, but um, I, I think it would probably work. I'm, uh, I don't know. I, I, I support him going and, and getting to play on the biggest stage and, and having that success. I think that he has earned it, and I don't think that he really owes anything to Jamie Chadwell or Coastal Carolina at this point. He made that program what it was, and I think that he deserves recognition wherever he wants to be. Uh, I pledge my full support to Grayson McCall uh, and the Grayson McCall Army. I hope that he lands somewhere that will uh, that will treat him right. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I just hope he doesn't go to Liberty, right? I think that's just yeah. the biggest hope for us, which I'm sure by time this podcast comes out, he will have declared for Liberty or whatever. But yeah. I, I do hope he goes to a better place, uh, uh, you know, a, a nice farm upstate so he can, he can run around and be free. Grayson McCall's <laughs> in a better place now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think we talked about the boards. It'd be cool to see him in Illinois. Yeah. That'd be sick. Mm. Yeah. There are like, um, there are like 20 different schools I would love to just place him at. Right. Like I, I'd love to put him at Illinois. Yeah. I'd love to put him at Oregon state. Just all of my fun little guys. I'd like to put them there, but didn't, um, didn't we do a matchmaker episode last off season with, uh, with, with transfer guys or with, I, it, I think it was coaches. I think we did it with coaches. Yeah, um, we should have just done that with like tra- we should after they're all actually decided, we should do that with transfer portal quarterbacks and yeah. pair them up with where they should have gone. Yeah, that w- that would be good. We'll maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll do that for a premium episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, we've uh, we've got some bowl games to talk about here now that we're an hour into the show. Some of these we're going to speed through because I'm going to be <laughs> honest, uh, they're not very good. the The way that we're going to do this to keep everything. Uh, focused and to keep us from literally just not talking about some of these games is that we are going to force ourselves to find at least one thing that we like about every one of these games, at least one positive thing that we can say about every one of these games. And it can't be that it will be over. Um, it has to be something that is actually positive and not just like, oh, somebody's going to lose this game. Um, so we're going to start here on Friday, December 16th. So as you are listening to this, um, either today or very quickly tomorrow, uh, <laughs> Bahamas Bowl is the opener of this bowl season. Uh, 11.30 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. It's Miami of Ohio against UAB. Miami of Ohio will be without Brett Gabbert. Uh, UAB is without Dwayne McBride, uh, running back. Very, very good running back. I believe they will have Jermaine Brown. Um, man, tough start here for the finding something positive about it, especially without Dwayne McBride. Uh, Miami... I don't think is going to have a whole lot going on. UAB, I don't think has a whole lot more going on. UAB is a better team. Um, 
I, the, the, the sell here is probably Jermaine Brown, right? I think it's Jermaine Brown. I think it's watching UAB's rushing attack one more time before Trent Dilfer comes in and kills the program again. Uh, and we will miss UAB, but unfortunately they have brought this upon themselves. They have aimed the gun at their own head and they have uh, given it to Trent Dilfer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that that's going to go really well. Trent Dilfer famously very smart with uh, with big decisions. I think that he's probably going to do really well here. Uh, and you got to look forward to that. Um and it's Jermaine Brown, right? I think that that's the sell here is watching Jermaine Brown. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I actually, else, really I honest. hate to say this. There were a couple of Dilfer's staff hires that I thought were kind of interesting. Okay. Um, well, he just hired, Ohio, am, he, he pretty much just hired Ohio State what? quality control assistants and you're friends with all those guys, right? Well, there is, there is specifically <laughs> one guy that, that I like, which is, uh, which is Miguel Patrick. He, he okay. I think he, he won a state title, a state title as a high school head coach in Georgia uh, it seems to be like all the high school coaches and generally see him as well-regarded. It seems to be a, a football guy, you know, could be a good rising star. Sure. I'm a little bit intrigued by Miguel Patrick until eventually he's hired by Ryan Day, of course, come back to the program, and I, in which case I will hate him. Yeah, yeah, naturally. Um, yeah, at which point he will become wildly underqualified, which is <laughs> sort of the nature mm-hmm. of things. Um, yeah, do you, do, I don't know. Do you have anything that you like about this game other than Jermaine Brown, or is it just sort of? I'm just copying your answer. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you're, you're you're looking at my paper. You're writing down Jermaine Brown, but you're spelling it wrong. Um, <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's the there's the Bahamas. I was, Bowl. I, I'm, I'm writing down Jermaine Dupree by accident because I yeah. forgot who, yeah. who I'm talking about. <laughs> are you are you old enough to know who Jermaine Dupree is? <laughs> um, I'm I'm aware of the name. I don't really know who he actually is, but I know the I've heard the name. Man, that's crazy. Um, if you're if you're a Jermaine if you're a Dupree head, why don't you leave us a five star review mentioning Jermaine Dupree's name? Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you or actually how about we do this? Why don't we go back to our old classic? Um, if you're a fan of the show, why don't you tweet at one Ohio State beat writer of your choice and mention Jermaine Dupree somehow yeah. and work it into a question to them? Yeah, um, I, I think actually I'm gonna I'm gonna specify even further. I want you to send uh, a message in for like a Q and or for like a uh, like a mailbag from one of the recruiting guys. Uh, I think I want to get yeah, I Bill Corella. Do yeah. Bill Corella. Yeah, I want you to get in one of those recruiting <laughs> chats and I want you to ask about what he thinks Ohio State's status is with four star 2024 defensive end Jermaine Dupree um, and see. <laughs> see how he answers see how he answers that and uh and uh, that that i think actually is probably going to be really good i'm looking forward to that now please do that <laughs> earnestly please do that um <laughs> next up here is uh the best bowl game of the whole season it's unfortunate that it's on the first day but this is the best bowl game of the whole bowl season it's the cure bowl it's troy versus utsa 3 p.m on espn this fucking rocks i mean this is this is great this is uh this is really really good frank harris has already said uh, that he is coming back to UTSA for what has to be one of the most one one of the longest ten years ever. This will be his seventh season in college football, um, so we know that he's going to be playing in this game. I know that UTSA is a little bit banged up, but that offense is still so good. They still have so many talented receivers, talented running backs, Kavori and Barnes at halfback. Um, they've got, of course, Zachary Franklin. They've got just just a ton of talent, just a, an abundance of offensive talent. Uh, and then on the other end, we've talked about Troy all year, one of the best defenses in college football, one of the most entertaining teams to watch in college football. I'm so excited about this game. This is such a good scheme matchup. This is such a, a fun pairing of teams. Yeah. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to this. It's maybe like it's one of the top five bowl games in the in the year right like if not higher than that like it's yeah you could say that I, that I, some 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 of us might have might have said something along those lines at some point um yeah i, I think Did you just say that right yeah, now? I, I just said it was the best bowl game. oh yeah that's cool 
<laughs> yeah, I'm locked into this. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, look, Patrick, I don't know what you want me to say. It's been a long work week. Almost the end of the, I'm almost at the end of my day job for the yeah. calendar year. I, I'm just I'm just skating by right now. Yeah, we're running um, we're running out the clock. Here. Anyone who's listened this far in the podcast already likes it. Like no one this is no one's episode they're like oh let me get into flipping the film i'm gonna check out the full thing of this one if you this was your first episode you quit the podcast already sorry yeah. we lost you our as bad. a customer that one is our bad <laughs> we will uh we'll get them next time that's for sure yeah. um yeah Listen, this is on me it's a great fucking game it's a cool it's an awesome game um i love that sakari franklin's back for their season uh I, I love that you know trailer's doing his shit at utsa i, I think that troy is one of the best coach programs in the country as well um I do wonder if Troy is able to firepower to keep up with UTSA, but I think just in yeah. terms of like just well-coached teams, it's going to be two, it's it's two of the best teams in bowl season by far. Yeah, that is my concern here is that I don't know that Troy has the firepower to really match what UTSA is going to do, and I think UTSA can score on pretty much anybody. But it would be, I mean, what a statement it would be if Troy comes out here and just shuts them down. If they just they just not blank them, but really dominates that offense, that would be one hell of a, a signal to send to the rest of the Sun Belt and really the entire group of five going into next season. If you can go out and shut down, I think probably the best group of five offense. Um, yeah, that would it's, be... it's crazy to say this about a program like UTSA. Like they really have nothing to gain here. Like everyone already thinks they're a good program. Yeah. Whereas like, you know, the program that has like, you know, something to, to prove is Troy maybe. And like, you know, I, which is, it's just fucking nuts. UTSA where they were two, three years ago as a program. It's crazy to think that about them. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, like, this is like, it's like Boise State playing another good G5 team in a bowl game or something like that. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, this is really good. I'm glad that the Cure Bowl has kind of become this. Last year, of course, was the very, very good uh, NIU versus Coastal Carolina game. Before that was the excellent Coastal Carolina versus Liberty game. Um, they are starting to kind of find this as their niche, is, is picking up the two, basically, I mean, objectively, the two best G5 teams that didn't get picked for the New Year's Six bid. Um, these two are both better than the team that didn't get picked for the New Year's Six bid. This is a great game this is a really really good game i'm very excited about it uh saturday december 17th we've got a, uh, a a big selection of games here some of which are pretty good some of which are not especially good um we will start with am i missing one here did i miss a game um here vamp about the celebration bowl that's your I... job dude yeah <laughs> celebration bowl. <laughs> uh it's great it's great you know it's jackson state they played nc central i did, I did um, miss it's one. the miak versus the swack it's it's dion's last ride he is coaching this game, right? Dion is coaching this yes, game, I, I believe. I, I believe uh, he. I believe he is. That was the plan as of um, as of last week. Now, granted, they have since hired TC Taylor as the as the new head coach. Um, who's which, one of his assistants? Yeah. Yes, who was the wide receivers coach, which I guess could change things if they want him to run the show there instead. But I don't know why that would be the case. I would guess that Dion's probably going to coach this one. I know that his son Shadur is also expected to play here. Um, so they are going to be pretty near full strength for this game, which is good. I'm excited about that. I'm glad that they're taking it seriously. Um, this would be the first Celebration Bowl victory for either one of these teams. They're playing against NC Central, which is pretty good. They're 9-2. and two. They won the uh, the MEAC. They split the MEAC, but they won it. Um, I think it was the MEAC. Yeah. That sounds right. Do, do um, programs, this is just my ignorance of SES football, which I probably should know more about. Mm-hmm. Do programs who win this like count it as a national title? I, yeah. I, know, I know we've talked about it as like it's the de facto HBCU national title, but like, do teams yes. declare themselves national champions if they win this game? Yes. So the, the thing that they use, the, the qualifier that they use is called the Black National Championship or the Black College Football National Championship. Um, and it That's appears cool. to be, it's decided sort of how national uh, National championships used to be decided in at the, at the FBS level, which is through selectors. They have voters. Um, and so there are a lot of... It's usually a split champion um, because there are other 
you know, HBCUs that do not compete in the Celebration Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so there's usually going to be more than one team that's picked. But from what I have gathered and just from, from looking around the landscape, uh, if Jackson State wins this game, they will be unanimous. They'll be the unanimous champion. Um, last year, they had there were selectors who picked them, but because they lost to South Carolina State, um, it was kind of like, I guess the way we would describe it is Mickey Mouse. It was kind of a Mickey Mouse championship. Uh, if they yeah. went out and won this here, it's not like the end-all be all but if you win it and you're also undefeated you're the champion come on like we we know what this is uh so this would be for a championship would be for their first ever unanimous championship and for their fifth uh black national championship in program history um it's cool it's a cool history i was i was reading about it yesterday when i was writing this i would encourage others to go and uh go and check it out it's it's uh it's cool stuff it's it's interesting part of college football that i don't think to get talked about very much but uh probably deserves to because it's it's fun it's interesting stuff i'm gonna watch I think just about every second of this game, I'm very excited about. Yeah, it. I, I remember watching the 2015 one where Tariq Cohen just went off of that mm-hmm. game. Yeah, uh, before he went to the before he went to the league, that was cool. Yeah, um, he had what like I think he had like something like 295. I'm looking he at went right nuts. Now. He had 348 all-purpose yards <sighs> in that game. Jesus, uh, and three touchdowns. Um, 295 on the ground. Yeah, he had such a fun NFL career. He's now done. I don't know his Achilles, but yeah. Um, I mean, four or five years, got a nice little check. Like good player. Um, he won me a fantasy title. That's huge for me personally. We love that. Um, my my lone, shout out to Tariq Cohen. My, <laughs> I could also credit my lone fantasy football title to a running back who people probably don't remember especially well. Uh, Tim Hightower. Tim Hightower won me a fantasy football sure. <laughs> fantasy football championship. You gotta love that. Um, yeah. So the game I missed here to move on from the Celebration Bowl, which is going to be good. You should watch it noon on ABC. Uh, the Fenway Bowl was the game that I missed. Cincinnati at Louisville, 11 a.m. on ESPN. Um, not missing much here. <laughs> I'll say. Yeah. Uh, I believe it is sponsored by Jermaine Dupree as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's the Jermaine Dupree Fenway Bowl. Um, Man, I mean. It's the keg of nails. I mean, mean, this is like. I don't know. It's it's a uh, it's a it's a rivalry game, and that in itself is fun. But both of these teams are just ready for this year to be done, right? Both of these teams are ready to be moving on and to be done with this season. Um, Cincinnati has already had several transfers out after the departure of Luke Fickle. Um, it seems like Scott, what is Satterfield doing for this game? Uh, nothing. He is he has recused himself <laughs> from from this okay. game. Uh, so it's it's going to be Kerry Combs against uh, Dion Branch is is uh, Louisville's head coach mm. for this game, which is interesting interesting combination of coaches there um but it's just like it's it's too bad too because i think that if you had satterfield still at louisville and fickle still at cincinnati there would be a lot of juice behind this game but it's there's just not i'm sure that louisville will be motivated because their you know former coach left to go coach the other team um but there are a lot of players not playing in this game it doesn't really feel like either team has a whole lot to play for. It is a bummer that this is the way that the rivalry is being renewed. I'd like to see it as a regular season game. I'd like to see it as a game that actually matters because um, this is kind of a uh, kind of a farce. It feels like <laughs> kind of just like oh, here's the puppets of these two game of these teams playing a rivalry game. It's like well, okay, I guess yeah, sure. It is it is technically that. It is technically the rivalry game. But come on, um, yeah. Do you do you have any interest in this one? What is the what is the we need to find a positive thing about this. Oh, the positive thing about this, that's so easy. Um, (laughs) I'm excited to see Kerry Combs as the head coach. Yeah, Um, that is that is fair. What if he's really good at it? What if he's a really good head coach? I think he's a better head coach. He was an amazing high school head coach. He was one of like the best in the state of Ohio ever. Yeah. and as we all know, that's what you should always make hires based off of. Well, I mean, I guess if you're if you're a, a 
a head coach in the Cincinnati area in Ohio high school football, you do get to recruit. And so the, the skills do kind of translate a little bit. Uh, so you have to think about that as well. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's, I guess that's fun. I, I guess Dion branch too. That's, that's, you know, that's a guy who I remember playing. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Um, so all always... branch been the Fenway bull. I mean, you know, Patriots fans might go show out to see support him. Oh, I love, Oh, I would love because that. Famously, <laughs> you know, you know, Patriots fans love more than anything else. their black players are not just yes. exclusively their white players, that era too. That's the biggest thing is yeah. they liked all their players, not just uh, Tom Brady, Mike Vrabel and Teddy Bruschi. Yeah. Hey, did you play with Tom? That's not it. That's not, that's not Massachusetts at all. I don't know who mm, the fuck I don't that know what is. that was. I don't it's know kind what of like that a New is. Jersey Italian. Yeah. That was kind of like a, like a Joe Pesci situation. <laughs> Patriots. Yeah, you almost went like Rhode Island on that Patriots one. fan, Joe Pesci. I mean, I was in the area, but that's not it. That is not, that's not the accent. Um, yeah, I, I guess it would be really funny to see like 30,000 Patriots fans in the stands for this one. I don't think that that's going to be the case. I, I'm going to guess that this one is going to be sparsely populated because um, not You're everybody... You're from Boston, so they say, they say, dude. They say, dude. Yeah. Right? What do they say? What's uh, What are they... <laughs> hard to say. Now, it is funny to think <laughs> about they... somebody with a Boston accent saying Louisville. That is that is good. I, I drove my car. I drove my car to Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> I got fucking that. This is just a dead episode. This is a dud. Uh, I think that that would be that. That is like the the peanut butter in the mouth trying to say Louisville for for Boston guys. Yeah. If you're a Boston guy, please write in and tell us how you say Louisville. Uh, all right. <laughs> Next up here, uh, Las Vegas. That that's actually I'll say that's the thing that I'm looking forward to is that before the game they are going to put a bunch of peanut butter on the roof of Kerry Combs's mouth. They're going to have him lick it off during the game. And that's going to be fun to watch. <laughs> uh, Las Vegas yeah. Bowl. They're actually unfortunately they are actually putting it on on their backup quarterback. Uh, they're that's where they put the peanut butter in. Mm. Mm. I mean, it's not, you don't, no one wants to see it, but <laughs> nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. Why would Cincinnati do this? Why would you do this? This isn't good at all. Uh, Las Vegas Bowl, Florida versus Oregon State, 2.15 p.m. ESPN. Uh, I will be uh, permanently and, and, and uh, I guess, just really shamefully sentenced to a, a life in the in the forest if Oregon State loses this game to Florida. Uh, Florida working with, uh, with Jack Miller at quarterback. Oregon State is a real program for adults, and Florida is not. Um, mm. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really bummed if Florida wins this game. I th- that's the thing that I'm positive about here is that I can root against Florida and root for Oregon State. I like Oregon State. I think Oregon State's good. I don't know why. I don't know why they've been stuck with Florida as their opponent. I think they should have gotten to play a real team uh, instead of these fucking losers. Uh, I'm I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm excited to see Oregon State probably hopefully just bully them. I think that would be good. I fear that that's not what's going to happen, but. Uh, I would like it. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you have any, do you have any interest in this game at all? Other than just, uh, might be fun to watch Oregon State play one more time. It's, it's the Jack Miller watch, baby. Yeah. It's uh, it's the debut of Jack Miller as a starting quarterback. He's basically like playing real football for the first time since he was like a sophomore in high school after all his injuries. So, Mm -hmm. um, if you're a big fan of Jack Miller out there, why don't you write into the podcast and, and describe your favorite Jack Miller, Jermaine Dupree crossover moment? <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're jacked for Jack, if you're out there getting jacked for Jack, you need to you need to um, seek yeah. seek help. Maybe I think that if, would you, be if you're listening to this podcast, can can you can you somehow make um, a like hype video of Jack Miller? But with uh, I want it set to uh, a Jermaine Dupree song. Okay. All right, Ryan, could you, you can you name a Jermaine Dupree song for me real quick? Mm, well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, I know some songs he was featured on. I, I will say that. All right, let's uh, uh, let me let me let me 
Let me see here. Oh, that's not at all how I thought that was going to be spelled. This is you are not going to be able to trick Bill Kurelik with this. He knows he would know a recruit whose name is spelled like this. Um, well, Ryan, you know what I know personally about Jermaine Dupree is that he is an American rapper, songwriter, record uh, producer, record executive, entrepreneur, and DJ. Uh, he was born on September twenty third, yeah. nineteen seventy two. He's a better producer. Look, look, I know who Jermaine <laughs> Dupree is. Don't, don't try to get me here with saying you said one of his songs. I'll be honest, no, but he's produced like some bangers. I okay. know that. All right, he was on a. He did uh, Lean With It, Rock With It, right? That was him. I'm sure. Um, yeah. I think he did a couple of Usher's albums, if I recall correctly. He did. Yeah, that's um, that's one of the first things on here. He did uh, he did a number of Usher's albums, it looks like. He did He did one of Nelly's. He did either Air Force Ones or mm. Grills for Nelly. One of, he did maybe both of those. Okay. Um, I think he did some shit with Mariah Carey. Mm. That's... That's an interesting way to say that. Um, it says here he got to start as a dancer for the hip-hop group Houdini when he was 12. And that's Houdini spelled <laughs> uh, W-H-O-D-I-N-I. Uh, so that's um, that's good. You got you to gotta like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. He was, he was in there with Drew Grandmaster D. Carter. So that's, that's something to think about as well. Uh, Wait, he used to cool. be married to Janet Jackson? What? That, huh yeah, yeah. Sure, sure enough he was married to janet jackson from 02 to 09 i'm looking i just googled this yeah they got two kids that's interesting good, wow. good. i also like here that it says on his uh, on his wikipedia page it lists parent and it only lists his dad no mom this man's got no mom <laughs> dad no. only <laughs> a nice mom dude where do you get your mom at oh man you heard a mom bitch yeah where's your <laughs> Just bullying Jermaine Dupree for no reason. Uh, all right, well, oh, I don't have a mom. Shut up. While you look, I'm sure there's a tragic story behind it. While you look into that, L.A. Bowl, Fresno State <laughs> versus Washington State, 3.30 p.m. on ABC. Uh, Fresno State has won eight in a row. I think they are going to kick the shit out of Washington State. I think they are really going to take it to Washington State. Uh, Washington State will be, of course, without offensive coordinator Eric Morris, which we just mentioned. I'm not sure how much that's going to actually matter, but I think Fresno State's better. Um the thing that I am interested in here, the thing that I am po- positive about is Washington State's defense has been pretty good this year, like legitimately pretty good. I'm really interested to see that against Fresno State's offense. Um, Fresno State's defense, I think, is going to kind of have a field day against Washington State's offense. It's not a very complex offense. I don't think it's especially good. Um, Cam Ward has his moments, but as we've talked about before, he's kind of just a highlights guy, and I think that uh, I think Fresno State's defense will be more than ready for the occasion against him. But I'm excited to watch this one. I think that this is uh, this is one of the newer bowl games. This is one that I, I like a lot. I like the LA Bowl um, with the, the Mountain West champion playing against like a good Pac-12 team. I think is uh, mm-hmm. I think it's fun. I think it's a fun I think it's a fun bowl game. I'm looking forward to this rendition. I'm glad that it exists in general. I wish that it was not called You're, you're the, a Hollywood kind of guy too. Yeah, I wish it was not called the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl or whatever it's called, but uh, I, I like it all the same and, and when he will um, uh, hopefully be be me too here at some point, we can get his name off. Yeah, of we can move on to somebody else. <laughs> how about this? How about how about West Hollywood Patrick Mayhorn? Okay, yeah. What would that be like? <laughs> oh, I think you know what it'd be like. I think you know very well what it'd be like. <laughs> what happened to you? Did you? <laughs> dude, I really, I don't, have, I don't have anything today, dude. I'm sorry. This is I am like. This is one of my worst podcasts I've ever done. This is horrible. <laughs> Ryan was recently hit in the head with a plank, like in uh, like a Looney Tunes style. <laughs> gotta, I see Dude, on the video right nothing. now, you actually there's a giant lump sort of uh, protruding from the top of your head. It's growing even larger. Your hat is like up on the top of it. It's very comical. 
Yeah, shit, dude. I don't have anything for you. I'm sorry, man. I, I wish you the best of luck on the rest of this podcast. <laughs> I've got no jokes coming. There's no riffs. Oh, There's man. no. There, yeah, this is just empty air. I mean, yeah, Washington State. Uh, they lost their OC, I guess. They have a bad quarterback. People think is good. Mm-hmm. Um, Fresno State has a good quarterback. People don't talk about enough. Yeah. He's like somehow Jake Hayner somehow ranked like tenth in the NFL draft rankings for quarterbacks. That's. Uh, yeah, that's strange. I, I've seen I've seen a couple of the quarterback draft rankings this week, and they're all just like, "Oh, how do we make everybody really mad? What's the easiest way to get everybody to be really mad?" And it's of just course, like, yeah. Oh, well, uh, of course, we've got I Anthony mean, Richardson number one, Will Levis number two. It's like, okay, cool. Glad to see you're taking this seriously. <laughs> I'll say this: if you're a football, if you're a uh, if you're like a, a fan of a football team in the NFL, and your team drafts C.J. Stroud, I am so sorry for you. <laughs> Okay, I like that. I like that. There's a little bit of heat on that. What? What is the? Is it just because he's a baby? He's just a huge. He's, a he's just a baby, baby, dude. I'm just. I. 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 I can't. Did you see his press conferences? I don't know. No, you definitely did not. But I, I'm aware uh, of some of the things that he said in them because no matter how hard I try, there are still Ohio State posts on my fucking timeline. I can't get rid of them. They're, they're like they're in the wall. I mean, come on. You have too many friends. You're never gonna. Yeah, it's mm. impossible. I got but, a lot. I'll tell you. I got a lot of them muted so that I don't have to see it. Yeah. <laughs> But he, he, I mean, as long as you still follow me, you're, you're yeah. in trouble. Yeah. But he basically was talking about fan criticism and how people are like mean to him, or whatever. And he just said, well, they hated Jesus too. Uh, <laughs> Did he really say that? I swear to God. I mean, he said it in much nice, like, like, but he did uh, say the phrase, well, they hated Jesus Christ, too. And he was like so the Lord, good. the Savior, the King of Kings. Like, that's so good. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> He talked about, I don't know, how one game doesn't define him or whatever. Yeah. He's a loser, dude. Like, if you hire, if you hire, if you uh, draft this guy, you are getting one of the biggest baby losers in the history of college football. One of the yeah. most, like, immature, just losers. Like, just a guy who cannot respond to any adversity whatsoever on the football field. Yeah. Like, in his real life, he's got through some real shit and he's going to end up getting NFL money. That's a huge win for him and his family. But, like, in terms of a guy on the football field adversity, no ability to respond whatsoever. Just no. nothing. Has nothing there. Yeah, he, um, he is like he is the stereotype of like California quarterback guy who doesn't really care about football. Like that is him. That people are going to complain about that happening in the in this draft cycle. That's real. That's him. That's actually who he is. It's not. It's not just people saying that because he's like a black quarterback. No, he actually. This guy sucks. This guy is a is a dog shit teammate. He's bad. He's a bad guy to have. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I uh, I'm not a not not big on not big on the old CJ Stroud. Um, but. Uh, that is really cool that he thinks that he's pretty similar to Jesus. You have to give him credit for that. You like to see that kind of confidence in a quarterback, and you have to see him. Uh, you got to look forward to seeing him perform some miracles. I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, he is the first ever ketamine quarterback. Okay, yeah, yeah, and, and of course Ryan Day's program is all about ketamine, just in general. It's sort of a very, <laughs> very kind of low energy. We're staying calm. We're we're just laying down on the couch, having a having a having a pretty good time. We're having an okay time on the couch. Um, you gotta, yeah, you got to love that. Uh, next up here is a bowl game that I really, honestly, don't know that there is anything to say about this one. Not even anything positive, anything at all. Uh, Lending Tree Bowl, Rice versus Southern Miss, five forty-five p.m. on ESPN. I mean, I guess I'm glad for these teams that they get to the postseason. It's been a bad couple of years for both of these programs. Uh, good for them on getting to a bowl game. Rice didn't actually yeah. earn it because they're five and seven, but somebody has to go, so they get to because they're smart. Um, good, good for them, I guess. Well, you're saying the nice things. I'm happy for Rice's APR. That's what I'm. That's like nice about this game. Yeah. Look, 
If you are one of the people who's bull-pilled, if you think, like, we need to save the bulls in college football, you need to be fucking arrested and possibly killed. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, (laughs) hmm. (laughs) (laughs) What, like, who are the people that think, like, like, having... 64 bowl games between the lending tree bowl is an essential tradition we have to save to avoid expanding the playoff what is wrong with you why do you like that i will say i like i i prefer bowl games to the playoff not these I don't care about these. I don't care that they exist. I don't care that they happen. It's yeah, not, but the, the that's problem not is they have business. forty of them. Like, eight, yeah. if eighty teams go play the bowl game, like, who gives a shit? Yeah, I mean, the the thing is, like, the the bowls that uh, that I would be trying to protect are not this. I don't care about this. It's like the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl or shit like that. Um, I don't really know that these There's like games. Ex- I don't four know bowls that matter. Yeah, I don't know that that Rice playing Southern Miss would impact like Michigan and USC playing the Rose Bowl. I don't know that they would be especially concerned about that. Oh well. This means less because rice gets to go. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's a real thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are these are just filling time slots. Basically, this is a this is a game that does not really matter for any reason. Um, this one especially is insulting because these teams were in the same conference last year. They've played eight times in a row already. This is going to be their ninth consecutive season playing each other. Why? Why couldn't they at least get a different opponent? Why do you have to pay, fucking play them against each other? I, just mean just a mean thing to do there's no reason to have these guys playing each other they they were just in the same league they they've played almost every year since like 2010 come on let's give them something else yeah. anything else at all just come on bad 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 bowl picking here um the positive is that they get to play a bowl game the negative is the game uh new mexico bowl I also kind of hate this one. I sort of hate the last four here. Um, helmet game, which I've said I like. I like the G5 helmet games. I'm glad that they exist. But BYU versus SMU, 7.30 p.m. on ABC. The issue with this game is that both of these teams are bad. They're not good. They're bad at football. Um, Jaron Hall, I think you owe an apology. Have you seen his stats this year? They're good. They're really good. He's still very good. Uh, it's just that the rest of BYU is dog shit, bad. The defense has, fell, Dude, has fallen off a cliff. He's fine. The pro- my beef is people call him a top five quarterback. No, that was, he's a 25, that was ridiculous. He's a 25-year-old man who's five foot nine. Like, yeah. Go work at a Best Buy, dude. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being in your mid twenties and being five foot nine. It's it's cool. Actually, a lot of people have said that that's the best thing that you can be. Um, <laughs> but uh, man, I just like these teams are bad. BYU's defense has fallen off a cliff. Um, a lot of their receivers are hurt or not playing in this game. They really have not found a consistent rushing attack. And SMU has. I mean, immediately collapsed without Sonny Dykes. The offense has gotten worse. The defense is awful. There's no defense going to be played in this game. But neither offense is, like, all that exciting or really worth tuning into. I don't know that you're really, you know, oh, well, Tanner Mordecai's on. i got to check that shit out. Like, Rasheed Rice is good. Jaron Hall is good. There are players to like in this game. I'll say those are the positives. But, like, on the whole, this is just you're watching because you like the uniforms, which is fine. Again, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that those games can exist at the G5 level. I think they should. This is an interesting matchup in theory. But... With these actual teams, it sucks. I'd love to see a home and home between these guys. I, I think that would be really good. I would, I, I, you know, maybe that comes down the pike at some point with uh, BYU mo- moving to the Big Twelve and uh, <laughs> severing all of its ties to Utah as a state and seceding so that they don't have to play any of the teams in the state. Um, that would be good. But uh, this game as an actual football game, I don't have a whole lot positive to say about it. I don't think it's very good. These teams have not been fun to watch this year, 
and they've both been, I, I think, extremely disappointing, I, entirely disappointing. They have they have not at all reached expectations this year. Um, I guess BYU wins because SMU is like full on bad, and BYU is only pretty bad. Um, but I, I I don't have a whole lot else to say about it. I don't think it's a good I don't think it's a good football game. I'm, I'm sort of just one of those matchups that just makes me sad for what could have been. Like beginning of the season, you tell me these two are playing a bowl game. I'm really excited about it. Now I just I've watched them play. They're not good. <laughs> They're not good. They're not really worth watching. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, we just have an update on these teams, and it's disappointing. Um, yeah. Uh, Next up uh, here, Frisco uh, Bowl, Bolton, Boise State versus North Texas, nine <laughs> fifteen p.m. on ESPN. This is awful. This is also really bad. Uh, North Texas will be operating with an interim head coach. Um, Boise State is currently operating with a shadow head coach who is not the real head coach. That is my uh, my Boise State conspiracy theory is that Dirk Cutter is the head coach there and they're just using Andy Avalos as sort of a puppet. Um, that uh, I guess that's good for them. They did a whole lot better with that setup than they did with Andy Avalos actually as the head coach. But as for the football game itself, Boise State is, is has been beaten to shit here. They've got a whole bunch of injuries. This is not anywhere near full strength. And North Texas uh, just lost its head coach to hire literally the same exact guy. I can't imagine that they're going to be especially motivated. Um, could be a good uniform matchup. There's the positive. Could be a good uniform matchup. Something to think about, uh, especially if North Texas wears those sweet uh, throwbacks, I guess, and Boise yeah. State doesn't wear black, which they've decided is one of their colors for some reason. Um, That's so lame, dude. Yeah. Come on. You've got, like, you've got one of the most distinct color schemes in college football. Why are you wearing black? You, come on. Everybody knows you're the blue team. What are you doing? Oh, yeah, we're actually wearing black now. No. What are you doing? What's wrong with you? We're blue. Um, but, yeah, other than that, man, I, I don't know that I would recommend staying up to watch this one. I think it's going to be pretty bad. Um, I don't imagine that you have anything to sell me on this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a wild guess that you do not have a yeah, whole lot of excitement I think, about this I game. think you've got the theme. Yeah. Uh, and then last one here, Monday, December 19th, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, Marshall versus UConn, 2.30 p.m. on ESPN. I mean, this should be. This is one of those where like the police should be alerted if you turn this one on. If you turn this on on a Monday afternoon, you watch Marshall versus UConn, and it's not just like I have literally nothing else to watch. There's nothing else going on. Um, I need to watch football or I'll die. Like I, other than that, man, there's no reason to watch this game. <laughs> there's no reason to watch this game. These teams are both really bad. They're not bad in a fun way. Um, I guess the, the, another one of these were good on UConn for getting to a bowl game. Bad on Marshall for playing fucking UConn in a bowl game. You should be better than this. What's wrong with you? Grow up. Um, but other than that, man, I don't, I don't have a whole lot. I don't have a whole lot to say about this one other than just to scold Marshall. It's embarrassing that they're playing UConn in a bowl game. Come on, let's go to a real bowl game. You're Marshall. Let's grow up here. Um, yeah. yeah, Charles Huff, you were on our guys list. You were officially on notice. It is time to step up. Yeah, yeah, you can't be you, you know, can't be doing this. The talent level there is just yeah. not what it was supposed to be at all. It's not even close. It's, no. it's just they look he, like he worse. wants to be a stepdad and he needs to be the dad stepped up. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people have been saying that about Charles Huff and also about Jim Mora, and he is the dad who stepped up for UConn, uh, and we of course fully support him, and we forget literally everything that we knew about him before this season because, like I have established before, uh, jingling keys, just whatever we've seen most recently. Um, and we have actually, unfortunately, because I've said that, just been hired by ESPN. So uh, this will be the last episode of Flipping the Field because we have both been hired by ESPN. Uh, and so we will see you Thank all. Thank God we went top. Yeah, we will, uh, we will see you all uh, working in tandem with Chris Lowe to rehabilitate uh, Bobby Petrino. We're all looking forward to that story, uh, and I think we're going to do a very good job on it. Ryan, um, 
I guess good luck in the World Cup. I'm very excited for you. It seems like you're you're focused very hard on training right now. So we're we're all we're all cheering for you. We're all rooting Dude, I, for you. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm sorry, buddy. I'll, I'll we'll get we'll look. We're gonna look at the tape. We're gonna get better next time. Um, yeah, you get the idea. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, go Argentina. Vamos la selección. Um, go Messi. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, if we win, I'll sing some traditional Argentinian soccer songs on here for you guys. Okay. Um, on the premium, I'll, I will sing on the premium if we win. All right. I'm curious. Have you gotten, have you gotten into, have you gotten yourself into any arguments with like Ronaldo fans or things like that? It feels like those are guys who would be natural enemies for you. They would definitely be natural enemies to me. They're, he's essentially the Zach Smith of, of college football, but or, sorry about uh, soccer, but, uh, uh i don't know any ronaldo fans i don't think i've ever met one in my life i saw one uh, what? I, I saw one posting yesterday who uh, i can't remember what it was uh exactly but one of the replies was like uh, ronaldo became bad because of pronouns that was the, that was his actual that's really funny <laughs> take. why would you be a ronaldo really fan what's wrong with you i don't know it's the i i guess it's just like um the soft-brained people people who have no will they have no spirit they have no no convictions and so they they see him and they're like that's me yeah that's a big version of me that's like if i was interesting or good at something um except not really <laughs> if i was kind of shitty at something um anyway fuck that guy not a, not a big ronaldo podcast here we are this is a this is a Lionel messi only podcast uh this Absolutely. is also a Lionel messi only fans podcast uh coming soon they- they uh they call him Dios here, like God, except they use his number ten to spell okay. it out. Mm. So that's that's kind of cool. It's kind yeah. of a cool nickname. Yeah, they're doing a. It sounds like a much better job than what we do, which is like do, spelling respect, but with a two for Derek Jeter. Like they're yeah, that the, was pretty. Yeah. The worship of really good athletes there is much better than it is here, mostly because the athletes who get worshipped here are all just like kind of shitty white guys. <laughs> It's mm-hmm. like, oh, Tom Brady. Everybody loves Tom Brady. We got to figure out a hashtag for Tom Brady. He's like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about all that. All right. Um, Ryan, we will uh, we will be back with something else, something different than this uh, on the next one. I don't know actually what yeah. that is going to be. Probably more bowl talk uh, and then also a premium next week. Maybe quarterback matchmaker. We will we will look into that. Um, maybe the World Cup. Yeah, maybe the World something. Cup. We might have World Cup content earnestly. We might actually have World Cup content here coming down the pike. Um, so that's something to look forward to as well. Uh, meet at midfield.com, homefieldapparel.com, meet at midfield on Twitter, and uh, msn.com, my favorite website. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>